Moon Podcast Escalation! Hello, everyone. My name is Jordan D. White. My name is Chris Sims, and this is Sailor Business. It's the podcast where we sit down with a friend each and every week and watch an episode of the classic 1992 Sailor Moon anime and talk about just why it is that we love it so much. And things are intense. I I, I hope people are ready for the explanation of of how everything works (laughs) that's going to make everything about Sailor Moon uh, S make sense. And I hope you're also ready to fight the internet. Wow. Because we are watching episode 120 of Sailor Moon, uh, An Invasion from Another Dimension, Mystery of Mujin Academy. And to help us out with that, we are welcoming back the guest that we had on last week. Emily Carter is here. Emily, how are you tonight? Hey, I'm really great. Thanks. Uh, That is good to hear. Uh, Now, Emily, we talked about your history with Sailor Moon. Uh, on the last episode. So if anybody missed out on that, they can head back to last week's and give that a listen. But uh, do you have any recent Sailor Moon related developments in your life? Not really. I received an impulse purchase a while ago was a Sailor Venus pointer, uh, which is just a pointing stick that has Sailor (laughs) Venus on it. (laughs) But it was pretty and it's orange and I actually used it for probably the first and only time. So... (laughs) So it's like like a like an extendable like a metal pointer like if you're giving a presentation. Yep. <laughs> and it is Sailor Venus themed. It's it's like it's yes. a transformation one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Where do you get such a thing? Because I am very interested. This uh, uh, humble brag I actually got when I was in Tokyo, and there's literally entire floor uh, which is just all Sailor Moon merchandise, and <laughs> I spent a lot of time there. <laughs> I'm trying to Google this, and I'm not having any luck. Did they have? Okay, here's here's the thing though. That did they have everybody, or was it just like, oh, this is Venus? <gasps> oh, I found it's it. It's a pointer. <laughs> um, I th- the store didn't have everyone, but I'm a hundred percent sure that um they do because they slap so the moon merchandise on anything. <laughs> Bam! There the thing it is. is. It seems like if you're gonna make office supplies, it's gonna be Ami themed, right? Like you know. <laughs> But then you greatly underestimate the amount of Sailor Moon cashing in that um, Bandai is doing. Although, wait, maybe not. I'm seeing a lot of pens, but I'm not. For some reason, the only the only one I'm seeing as a a pointer is that one. (laughs) Uh, I'm looking at this description right now, by the way, and uh, you will be happy to know. Bullet point one: Fidelity three dimensional attack rod transformation stick. Bullet point two, if you take by turning the three-dimensional part, can be written as a ballpoint pen. Oh, okay. Okay, they're, so they're both pens and pointers. Well, bullet point three, if you extend the stick part, it can be used as an indication of stick about 53 <laughs> centimeters. So this certainly seems like, look, I got a birthday tomorrow, Jordan. So I don't know, should I add this to my wish list real quick? Sure. Here's the thing. This, the so I'm, we're looking at it on Amazon. So if you search for Sailor Venus pointer, you'll find it. The the Sailor Venus pointer I found is $31, but down below, what other items do customers buy? There's the Sailor Mercury one, $12.95. Ooh, well, see, that's 
That's like very, much more affordable. I would feel good about putting that on my wrist. Oh no, list. because the twelve—that's th- just a pen. It's not a pen and no, no. pointer for all those no, pointing. No. Click it. It's it's it, if you click it, it actually is the extending one. It, it just it just only labeled as only a pen. Maybe that's why. Maybe they don't understand. Oh, oh you're right. <laughs> well, mm. The Sailor Jupiter one is also thirty three dollars. <laughs> They're the collector's items. Although you know what, if I so I clicked on the Mercury one, and you know how they do the frequently bought together. The frequently bought mm-hmm. together is you can get Mercury, Jupiter, and Mars all three for thirty eight oh nine. Well, you can also get two of them, uh, Uranus and Neptune, for uh, $51. So, Oh, know. my goodness. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Uh, I am now reading Amazon user reviews <laughs> of the Sailor Mercury pointer to decide if I should put it on my wish list. I think I'm going to pass. I think I'm going to pass. What, what are they saying like, that convinced you not to get it? Well, someone says, uh, very disappointing to my child. Cheaply made <laughs> color shift within moments of using it. You can be honest, uh, Amazon user. This was not for a child. That's very funny. Uh, speaking of bad reviews, uh, in over on our Twitter, uh, some uh, some listeners sent us a, a picture of uh, some Sailor Moon glasses, like pint glasses, and they were split up. Uh, ship style. So one of them had cookbook, and one of them had uh, oh geez, firewood on it. Okay. And then uh, our our good friend uh, Greg, uh, not the Greg we hate, but the Greg who is a listener who is sad whenever we rip on Gregs. Uh, right. <laughs> he said he bought the cookbook one, and the first time they washed it, the soap just took the picture right off. Well, well, hang on. Did, did he put it in a dishwasher? No, no. That's his fault. No, no. Then. He said, he just said, washed it with soap. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. That's a, that's a bummer. Because there's meant to be put on a, you know, stand and admired, clearly. A shelf, yeah. Yeah. Just, just put it on a shelf. Never use it. All right. So I'm going to stop looking. I'm, I am falling down the related items uh, Sailor Moon <laughs> stuff hole right now. It's incredible <laughs> i'm gonna stop looking at this because i will literally just get distracted and we have an entire episode to talk about uh but before we move into the show uh jordan do we have any sailor business business i'm not sure that we do uh with this episode we're actually back on track i did get a, a couple of people writing in to be like hey we would really like the show uh which is which is understandable, especially if you are a, a Patreon supporter who's actually giving us money. But uh, we are, I, I think the the summer of, of skip weeks is over now. I think we're, we're in a better position to, to move forward with the show. Although, Jordan, I don't know when uh, when Lil Darian is on the way. So I'm sure we're, we might be missing you at some point or he's, soon. He's due at the beginning of October. So fingers crossed we'll be all right, but we'll have to see. Well, I mean, you know what's really important, and that is the Sailor Moon podcast that right. you do with sure. your friend. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, of course, of course. What are you gonna like? When, at the end of your days, what are you gonna look back and say? I wish I would have done more of more podcasts. I think, yeah, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Podcasts live forever digitally. <laughs> it's your legacy, Jordan. It's <laughs> it's important. But, in all seriousness, uh, thanks for sticking with us. I know that we've had a kind of erratic schedule lately, uh, and that can be a pain. But uh, we are back on track. We've got some some chibisodes planned to be released very soon. And uh, we're going to be working out stuff that maybe get some guest hosts the next time if one of us is unavoidably uh, detained. Oh. So, oh, my. That's like a threat. Well, 
I mean, I guess it does kind of sound like a plan. <laughs> if, look, if you guys would just make the Jordan soundboard, I could do this show alone. <sighs> just me and Jake and a guest together. You should just be like, just do an episode and every once in a while go, what do you think, Jordan? And then just be like, Jake, put something from Jordan here. <laughs> Well, see, that's that. That just makes more work for Jake. If, if we crowdsource the Jordan sound, anyway, it's time to move on. Thank you to everybody. Uh, we'll talk more about that in the act break. But Emily, I'm excited to have you back. So let's go ahead and talk about this week's episode. This week, we are watching episode 120 of Sailor Moon S, which is called An Invasion from Another Dimension, Mystery of Mujin Academy. And I do this for Xena, but I've never done it for uh, for Sailor Moon. Are you going to do the Xena yell? Uh, and, well, no, no. I'm going to say <laughs> it was written by Megumi Sugihara and directed by Konosuke Uda and originally aired in Japan on January 7th of 1995. Oh, wh- so why did you shift to doing that? What's the... Well, it's because it, we should probably talk about it. Like, we oh. never really talk about the people who write and direct these episodes. Every once but. in a while, someone writes in and tells us, you should really talk. Like, hey, it's because this person directed it. And we're like, oh. <laughs> okay. So, Jordan. Yes. I am guessing uh-huh. that this episode has a, an English language title from our friends over at Cloverway from yeah, back in the 90s. It does. Now, so regular listeners will... Remember from the last few episodes, me going, you're never going to get it. Uh, You're never going to get it this time, too. Uh, Apparently, they just decided, you know what? Let's just shit these names out from now on. I don't know if they're ever going to get back to good uh, good names that you can guess, because this name is garbage. More garbage than Cruise Blues? (laughs) Cruise Blues is a great name. Because that's, look, Um, say what you will, Cruise Blues rhymes, and it is exactly what happens in that episode. (laughs) See, that's the thing. Like, Cruise Blues is cheesy, but that's, like, almost guessable, because I would be like, oh, come on, Chris, what happens? And be cute about it. Like, this is just... (sighs) I guess... I guess they chose this name based on the fact that, spoiler, the the boss bad guy switches. Uh, well, geez. Um, is it... is it, like, death... death buster shake-up? (laughs) <laughs> no. Imagine you wanted to name it way more boring than that. Farewell, Mehmet. Even, oh, there's a phone call. Uh, Mehmet's calling. Actually, that's Professor Tomoe. <laughs> Professor Tomoe. Jordan, what, what hot person are you looking at uh, right now on your computer? Uh, the only person on my screen right now is Memoru. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because I'm yeah. looking at the wiki moon for this episode, and he's on he the screenshot. He absolutely does not have a pure heart. Um... <laughs> Well, not with a, a girlfriend that young. The The name of the episode is, get ready for it, Next in Line. Ooh, that's a bad title. Yeah! <laughs> like, because here's the thing. We actually, like, this is one you can't skip. Like, we are going to be learning a lot in this yeah. one. That's a terrible name. We get the secret origin of Professor Tomoe uh, up in this, and it's bananas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's all sorts of things you could call this episode, uh, and I think we should all think of a better name for it right now. What do you say? Mouse Mayhem. Mouse Mayhem's pretty good. Uh, Jordan, do you have do you have one? Um, I don't know. Uh, 
No, I can't. All I can think of is I want to have something with guest lecture in it, but I can't think of anything good. <laughs> guest lecture of doom. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I would call it like deadly ringer. Wait, so what's the... What, I don't get it. Because it's like Saturn rings. Like oh. Saturn rings. Uh, no, I, get it. I think that's a bit too abstract. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one step too far. I'm sorry. It's too abstract to be a, a fucking English language dumb title of a Sailor Moon episode. No. No, it is not. How dare you? It's no next in line. Yeah, it's it's better than next in line. Or or what if it was uh, Invasion from Another Dimension, Mystery of Mugen Academy. Like, they could have just called it Mystery of Mugen Academy. Say what you will, it is a descriptive title. Yeah. So, we open. Uh, if you remember last week, Sailor Saturn has appeared. Uh, she has the silence glaive. She is being super creepy and dodging, like, triple attacks. But at the end of that episode, uh, Hotaru teleported away from the fight. Uh, so when we pick up, it's pretty much right after that, right? Because we we see... No. Like 10 minutes after, I think. Yeah, Chibiusa has run all the way to the Tomoe household. Uh, one thing that I really like right away is that they make sure to show us that uh, she is running in a panic to find her friend, who she knows is, like, sickly and dying, but who is also now, like, the messiah of silence. Uh, yeah. And they make sure to show us that she still takes off her shoes. Wait, do they know that she's the messiah of silence? Like, not the name, but, you know, they got a pretty good guess that she's the one that they've been seeing the apocalypse red explosion visions about. Yeah, they know that she's going to destroy the world. When she awakens, the world is destroyed. Okay. And yeah, she I has awoken. And yeah, so they show us, they take the time to show us Chibiusa kicking off her shoes when oh, she yeah. gets to the, uh, the Tomoe household, which I thought was very fun. Well, it's raining out. She would attract mud. Yeah, she's got a, you know, she's polite. Mm-hmm. So she finds out that Hotaru is gone. Yeah, they've moved out. And again, you notice that it's raining, which only happens when terrible things are afoot. <laughs> I don't understand how they could have moved out in 10 minutes if you're saying it's 10 minutes later. Like, I was assuming it must be longer than that. I think this is supposed to pick right up. I think we're supposed to think that Chibi just ran as soon as Hotaru disappeared. She just, like, sprinted straight to her house so as long as you know it takes her to run to her house i guess yeah wait because when because satsuna shows up yeah when satsuna shows up she says hey they were gone when i got here so i assumed like everything teleported out of there somehow yeah well but hold on but hold on how did satsuna get there well because she's taller she has longer legs (laughs) no i don't believe that you're saying you're saying saturn disappears and then Chibi and Satsuna are both like, we are fucking running. And they both ran full out, and Satsuna just got there faster. I feel like a little bit more time has passed. Chibi's 10. She's tiny. Yeah, I know, but one of the adults would have grabbed her or something. Or adults. I mean, like, teenagers. <laughs> well, they're they're obviously not there. But I mean, also, they can teleport. Like, she's a sailor scout. They can teleport. They're no, they can't. Sailor teleport. They can only teleport when they're all together, and it's a, you know, climactic episode. Yes, and speaking of which, I do still want to know how Sailor Saturn teleported. <laughs> I think I think we're supposed to think that Carrionite, te- like, you know, zapped her. Like, it oh. wasn't Saturn herself. That's what I assumed, because Carrionite in the last episode was like, oh, you know, silly girl, like, you should come straight home. Yeah. 
I can't believe that of all the buckwild nonsense in this episode, the thing you're getting hung up on is, how did that adult get there faster than that <laughs> child? No. I don't know. Maybe she called an Uber. <laughs> like, like I, I feel like there's a lot of ways for adults with money and cars to get places. No, sure. I'm not saying that's not believable. I'm saying I believe it, but I also believe it's been like a, an, a couple hours or something. Chibi is so... And especially when we get later in the episode, I don't know, my thinking is that, like, Chibi has just ran out, everyone's kind of, like, shell-shocked, like, what has happened? Why did you just try and kill a 10-year-old? Why, what is this, you know, death, you know, everyone's kind of shell-shocked and looking at each other, um, and Chibi just, like, runs out in the confusion, and everyone, like, you know, no one sees where she went, except for Setsuna, who kind of, like, maybe because she has this relationship with Chibi in the future, she kind of knows exactly what she's going to do. And she's like, it's okay, I'll deal with it. That was my read. All right. Yeah. All right. That's, I, think, that's fair. I think Emily, I'm 100% with Emily on this. But from there... Wait, uh, wait, when... wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Can Pluto just be like, I'm going to step into the dimension of the doorway of time, and then I'm going to step out of it, but at her house instead? I mean... That's the question that kind of overhangs everything. Like, can she just teleport around? You are complicating this so much. <laughs> she called a cab. <laughs> she rode the train. Uh, Chris, I've seen a lot of shots of Tokyo. There are no cabs or trains. No, because the next thing we see, it, it's it's notable because we never see it. We see a crowded street. <laughs> That's true. You're I right. guess everybody stays in when it's not raining in Tokyo. But as soon as as soon as it starts to sprinkle, everybody's like, "Well, we need to hit the streets. <laughs> we got stuff to do." Uh, because from there, we cut to I, I think this is Memoru's apartment, right? Yeah, I think so. But can we just um, pause for a second to say, I don't know, I really love this kind of scene where, like, Setsuna, like, kind of, like, you know, talks to Chibi. It's so, I don't know, Setsuna has, like, very little character development. I feel like this is, <laughs> like, one shining character moment of, like, you know, just, like, knowing and just, like, this, like, look of, like, sorry, it's a crappy situation <laughs> kind of thing. Chibi says, I hate you, Pooh. Mm, it's just sad. The first, I mean, that's why, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I cried in these first uh, couple minutes because it's just so sad with like Chibi running and she's so tiny and, you know, you have the flashbacks and I, I, I teared up at the scene. <laughs> Aww. I thought it was really good, actually, because, and it's something that we kind of needed mm. because they have been talking about murdering a child lately. Yeah. And it's a really good reminder that they're people and you know older teenagers you know but still like young yeah absolutely uh so we cut to memory's apartment where everybody's got everybody's got a cup of coffee uh and memory is doing some beautifully animated typing (laughs) smashing his hands on a keyboard uh like what like every time that that left hand comes down it's just one finger i don't know i like to imagine that this computer is the only proportional sized object in the entire universe with everyone's incredibly long limbs that uh when he starts typing it's just you know his arms and his elbows are just like way too big and flapping outwards there's a close-up and he's got so much shoulder action oh yeah it's like it's like he is like it's like he's doing the dougie on this 
like which is how i type so i can't i can't judge he is a he's he's a professional hacker it turns out from like a, a movie about hackers like the movie hackers for example yeah, he gets into the Academic Society's files and pulls up a picture of Professor Tomoe that should just be captioned supervillain. <laughs> well, that's why he always looks. He has that creepy eye thing. Well, it also looks like it's on like a dot matrix printer or something like that that makes everything just creepier. Yes. Yeah, it's it, I, like it's supposed to be like a like a dot matrix printer, but it's drawn like this weird chiaroscuro style. Like <laughs> it is heavy shadows and like strong brushstrokes of this man who has like a pentagram for an eye and white <laughs> hair. And okay, so we've talked about this this glasses thing before. Uh huh. Did mm-hmm. we ever get any explanation for what it is or means, or is it a thing outside of the show? I think we get it later in this episode because it enters through his eye. That's what I thought. Sure, but like, why? <laughs> but, like, he's, but he's got a really obvious thing that everybody sees all the time. Yeah, oh, he's, a, he's a villain, Jordan. No, but they, that's when they don't know that. The Deathbusters? Like, if they were looking to be subtle, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, but like, okay, look, I understand. Darth Vader is a big, scary-looking robot man, but, like, he doesn't, like, put on a smoking jacket and then go, cool, I'm just gonna relax. And everybody go, oh, that's just a normal guy in a smoking jacket. Like, no, he's still scary. Jordan, Jordan, you edit those comics. He could do that, (laughs) and that would be amazing. (laughs) Tell tell, uh, Kieran Gillen (laughs) that you have an idea that you want to see incorporated in the next uh, comic. (sighs) Like, it just is so weird. Part of me expects that somebody is supposed to write into us and say, oh, no, it's this thing where you put something on your glasses. But that would make no sense. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. I legitimately think everybody, like, looks at him and is just like, oh, yeah, he's he's a bad guy. <laughs> like, I mean, he's he's nice and everything, but he's a bad guy. Well, he only interacts with, like, you know, his minion supervillains. Like, when's, have we seen him interact with a normal person that isn't Hataru? Oh, guys. Also, I just noticed something because I was pausing this scene. How, can we talk about how adorable Usagi looks, completely baffled by the computer? <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone else is drawn, like... In a, a relatively serious style, and then like Usagi is there looking like a Looney Tune. It's great. <laughs> it is so adorable. So oh, uh, we find out that he is uh, Professor Tomoe of the Mujin Academy, which is bananas. It is a new school that uh, is headquartered in a skyscraper, and it's primary school through college. Yeah. Which is nuts. Yeah. It's a school for the gifted. It's where it's obviously, we've talked about it before because we've talked about the uniforms. It's where uh, Haruka and Michiru go uh, and Hotaru as well. Oh, can we just pause there for one second? Because of this, <laughs> sorry, my, my biggest pet theory is that in this, um, it kind of implies that uh, Michiru and Haruka are there kind of like 
undercover or like you know are going there to invest are at this school because they're investigating it which fills my personal um headcanon and like uh, fanfic uh, thing that they're actually much older than uh you know high school students and they just go around to random schools like being like oh i'm such like a prodigy because i'm like 16 and know how to drive a car when in fact they're like 30 and they're just impersonating <laughs> So they're they're twenty one jump streeting it. Well, I, I that's my personal favorite uh, fan fiction kind of deviation, which is love entirely um, taken from this one scene. I would love it if Haruka and Michiru just kind of casually made references to like doing their taxes or like other <laughs> like other things that thirty year olds would have to do. Like if they were just you know like bu- like buying a house <laughs> like yep. one day. Uh, so they find out all about Mujin Academy. Satsuna brings uh, Chibiusa over to the apartment. Memoru, like, almost backhands Usagi for some reason. Oh, but this is also a cute scene because Usagi is so... Usagi, she's just, like, so emotional and she's just gonna, like, smother, you know, Chibi. And this is one scene where I think we actually see that Memo is, like, a decent guy because he's, like, he sees what's gonna happen. He's, like, no, I know Chibi... I know people and you know this isn't the right approach to this situation and I kind of I don't know it's like one of the good you know moments that we see that he's like actually like empathetic person it's very weird because I would not have picked Memory Uchiba as the guy who knows how to read a room I mean yeah. this season he's getting a lot better like earlier maybe but this season <laughs> and it's more in line with his like manga kind of personality I guess Hold on. Now, I think we didn't, we didn't, we did, we, we buried the lead here because Chris, Professor Tomoe, is he just a normal professor at Mujin Academy? Well, he's, he's the uh, lead genetic engineering professor and he owns it. What? Uh, He founded the school three years ago. Owns the school. Yeah. You know, it's it's private school. He owns it. No, listen, I'm not shocked that someone owns a school. It's just, this is a surprising development. To everyone, yes. <laughs> yes. So here is my question. We have found out... Are we going to find this out? You two, I think, would know better than I would, because we're in uncharted territory for me. Are the Deathbusters students? Because that seems very young. Well, remember, they were in a class one time. Yeah, but they, well, they were sitting at school desks. And getting lectured, yeah. So are they, like, teaching assistants? Are they lab ass- are they are like Are they students at the college part of Mujin Academy? That would be my guess. Yeah, so kind of, like, there's, like, a little tiny, like, scene in, like, uh, I think it's, like, two episodes from now, where it's kind of implied that they were students who got corrupted into these, like, evildoers. Like, you know, Mehmet was a student at the academy who kind of got, like, recruited to becoming the Mehmet we, like, know. It's so weird that there's, like, a work-study program for evil. Yeah! <laughs> at this well, school. He basically started a school, you know, like, w- just I mean, out of the true. kindness of his heart. Um, <laughs> Satsuna offers up a little bit more uh, information. And we cut the part where, because we get to see Memora being like, thank you for bringing her. I've got some questions. But they cut out the part where he goes, but first, where are my manners? Welcome to my home. Would you like a drink? And she's like, what have you got? And he's like, I've got a bottle of Coke. She goes, I'd love a Coke. It's been ages. I'm from the future. We don't have Coke anymore, I guess. They pour a Coke, and then she gets a nice, cold, refreshing Coke. 
Yeah, they cut that out, but they do leave in the weirdly animated glass of Coca-Cola <laughs> yes. yep. with the like super weird ice cube falling down <laughs> in it. The last all of I hear is Sorfer. She tried to murder a 10-year-old, so there's going to be some like hostilities. <laughs> you just kind of like, you know, like, hey, how's the weather? You know. Will you murder us if we don't give you a Coke? Uh, so she, Satsuna says my favorite thing in this episode, which is, he is likely connected to the Deathbusters. You are terrible detectives. All of you are bad. <laughs> All of you are bad detectives. Yeah, they're no Batmans. They're no Batmans. Not even Haruka. If she can't, if she can't figure this one out. Chibius is really upset because she thinks that X-Force is going to kill, uh, Hotaru and, uh, Big Usagi is like, hey, she's a Sailor Guardian, just like us. Like, isn't there anything we can do other than murdering this child? And uh, Satsuna's like, oh, God, this is why we didn't want to tell you. You never want to murder children with us. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is your deal? I, don't, I, I read it as more of a, like, a, like uh, this sucks kind of thing. But, because, you know, Mature would just be like, whatever. And just like, but I, I, I read this as like, you know, this is why we didn't want to tell you because I'm sad about you guys and also possibly maybe murdering someone whereas like mature would be just like whatever <laughs> we also missed out chibi has this animation and she looks like the most pathetic sad tiny child um you know she's like her her crying eyes are like the entire screen and it's just i don't know she is bedraggled yeah, because she got soaked, and so they let her hair down, too. And of course, Sassina is perfect, because she had an umbrella and is fine, you know, <laughs> didn't share it with Chibi or something. Uh, so from there we cut to... Wait, 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 wait. Yes? Uh, because I want to talk more about this this fact that she's Sailor Saturn thing. Because, again, okay. it's just another one that I'm a little confused by. That, I mean, it goes along with the whole thing that, that you've always said, Chris, about, you know, there are nine planets like we should be on the lookout for scouts and likewise they should kind of go like yeah you know all of the sailor scouts have so far let me think been oh i don't know good guys so probably i mean but from the you know uh outer's perspective you know she's she, uh Hotori did like run away from them trying to kill her so she's like oh she's running away clear sign of you know <laughs> i mean there, there isn't there some sort of like whatever system whatever whatever order to the universe whether it be i guess the silver crystal now that i think about it that that <laughs> sent them all off into the ether to be reborn generally like seems to have a pretty decent plan because they all got born within a couple of years of each other in the same part of the same city of the same country so why do they all of a sudden go but this one oh this one will destroy everything like, well i think um there's like i don't know my always read of it was that the inners have like the mission is to like protect usagi and you know they're maybe like protected by the silver crystal and you know that was like it's priority but the outer scouts um their job was to protect the silver millennium from outside threats so like some evil you know asteroid or something Th that's their job so they don't really they're like kind of like the guards on like the wall and so they would never really like get inside and so they were like you know 
tough, you know, because they have to like deal with like, you know, real problems. They don't have any of these like, you know, civil millennium fun mm. because the inners kind of just hang out with Usagi. Adders are more powerful because we've kind of seen this season that like, you know, Uranus and Neptune can like hurt the, um, or early in the seasons, they could, you know, hurt the uh, diamonds when the yeah. inners couldn't really and so that was kind of like they, they are these more powerful things because they have to like deal with more destructive things where from their perspective they're like we have to deal with the real issues like the end of the world i was gonna say the other thing i said i just remembered that a couple episodes ago they said it was their fault and so i guess if you take that them at their word on that then what was meant to happen was the deathbusters and such were not supposed to get through mm. And and Professor Tomoe should have just been a normal scientist with a normal daughter who would have been like become a sailor scout and been like, Yeah, I'm a sailor scout. Groovy. Um, but because they let the Deathbusters through, now they want they have to kill her. So so wait, I'm I'm just now putting this together. Was there no Sailor Saturn in the Silver Millennium? So it's never in the anime, like uh, but in the ma- manga Sailor Saturn is like the sailor of uh, kind of like rebirth, and she kind of only pops up when there's time for change kind of thing. And so she isn't for most of the time, yeah, she doesn't kind of exist, but uh, when, you know, there's like a change going to happen, then she uh, appears. So, and so it's kind of like... She's never seen in any of the flashbacks to the that we see in the to the Civil Millennium and stuff like that. But she's occasionally um, like drawn like with the others, but only when there's like times of like change, like <laughs> when it was going to be um, destroyed. Yeah, I don't th- I don't think she was there for like day to day. I feel like if she's there as a harbinger of change, she probably should have been there when Queen Beryl killed everybody <laughs> and all of the souls of the Sailor Scouts were sent to uh, to Earth to be reborn. <laughs> yeah, well, see, the real answer to all of this is, you know, making it up as they go along. Especially, especially the manga, it's much more metaphorical. Do you, I don't think anyone has accused the manga of being overly, you know, paying t- attention to details, which is great about it. It's very vague. It's very feeling-based. Not so much, oh, wait, this completely redoes everything that I've done for the past two issues. Oh, well, we'll just do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so from there, we move to the laboratory, uh, where Mehmet actually calls Professor Tomoe for a change and says this she has identified their <laughs> next target. Uh, he is an astrophysicist named oh, Sergei yeah. Asimov, because apparently Neil deGrasse Sagan was taken. <laughs> I really, really, really want to know how Mehmet is getting her, like, hot guy information. Like, who is, like you know, on the TV going, oh, we've got the hottest new person. He's an astrophysicist. <laughs> Tomoe tells her, he's like, yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do this guy. <laughs> and she goes, but he has such austere good looks. That's pretty funny. I mean, I guess she could have just seen him apparently on a flyer because he's about to give a speech at their college. Or she was just like, I need someone, I need someone. Oh, here's someone. (laughs) 
this is uh, also our first glimpse at our uh, first real glimpse, I think, at who is it? Is this Telu? Yes. Uh, standing behind Professor Tomoe there? Yeah. Uh, so I guess I guess uh, that's who's next in line. No. Oh, and as Tomoe hangs up on Mimet, we find out that Mimet has bugged Professor Tomoe. Okay. There's no way Mimet did it. I can 100% believe that Ijul has bugged the entire office. Mimet is not bothered to do that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, don't forget, Mimet cut the brake pedal out of a car and replaced it with snails. Yeah, but Mimet's not, like, subtle. <laughs> like, even among Sailor Moon villains, Mimet has a lack of guile and subtlety that should be admired. Like, she makes Catsy look like Machiavelli. <laughs> no, Jewel is like the, you know, the extreme stereotypical... I have to work so I have to work seven times harder than a man to get to the top. So she just you know does all the hours. But Met is the I'm just gonna sleep my way to the top. You know ah, I'm so cute and innocent. <laughs> she is stealing everyone else's work. There's no way. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So uh, Tomoe tells Telu. Uh, he's like, yeah, Mamet's working hard, but she does not get results. I haven't been able to feed my child anyone's heart. <laughs> <laughs> and says that Tilly is going to be the next chief executive. And Mamet responds by throwing her giant mid-90s computer off her desk <laughs> and getting real salty about it. Yeah, she's about to lose her gig, man. And she killed someone for this gig. That is true. And honestly, where else can you find a gig where you can just look on the internet for pictures of hot boys and then dress as a uh, as as a nightmare version of Black Swan? <laughs> <laughs> Very few places. So Tellu is, is going to do that. She goes uh, to do that. But then all of a sudden the phone rings. One second after Tomoe left the room. And <laughs> it's Tomoe on the phone going... Hey, Telu, uh, that thing I just said, uh, forget that. Don't do that. Just uh, do nothing all day. Thank you. And then Mehmet hears this, and to Emily's point, she looks over at a defaced picture of Udiel that she still has on her corkboard. No, 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 no. Hold on a second. I think you misunderstood something here, Chris. Mehmet yes. doesn't hear this. Mehmet did that. She used, like, a voice change device to oh, call yeah. her. That's 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 right. I'm very tired. It's my birthday. Shut up. Uh, Tulu gets tipped off immediately um, by the way that Met like you know she she uses like a phrase like just you, um, which to me is like the seventh most suspicious thing that Met did in that phone <laughs> call. Then uh, she looks at the picture of you deal where yeah. she drew a little mustache on her. By the way, this is not Mehmet. I am Professor Tomoe, not Mehmet at all. <laughs> um, so then she looks over at the picture of you deal, and to Emily's point, she goes, Hey, you deal was working on a, an invention. I'm going to use it yep. uh, to kill the Sailor Guardians. Yep. Which, okay, maybe, you know, she's desperate now, but why didn't she try and kill them earlier? Who knows? <laughs> uh, well, she's she always. Busy trying to get hearts. I mean, she always. <laughs> kind of tried to kill them in that she would leave the the diamond and be like diamond uh kill them i'm gonna leave bye <laughs> True. i was so hoping that the invention she was gonna borrow was the big giant heart blaster gun uh, mm. oh, i, missed that, I thing. missed that thing that yeah. thing's so good 
<laughs> so we cut from there to Mujin Academy. Ray totally does like a cold reading and is like, ooh, this place seems evil. And it's like, yeah, we just had a conversation about this place being evil. <laughs> that would be Ray. a hot reading, Chris. Also, it is the most suspicious looking building. You know, <laughs> they might as well just have this sign, which is like, we are an evil enterprise here. <laughs> The school was built with the uh, the Maxfield Stamp Memorial Business Grant. <laughs> um, it's from Jedi Properties. Meanwhile, uh, back at home, uh, Memoru is still hacking up a storm. Yeah, he's ultra hacking. Uh, by the way, does not seem to have a mouse. He's using entirely keyboard prompt. Yep. navigating. And he's such yeah. a great hacker that he steals all these things. <laughs> it's because he's elite. <laughs> it's impressive it's impressive he can pan around a a, uh, a a picture of a newspaper with a with a keyboard jack and army found this information out like four hours ago and they're just like just just let him type you know <laughs> let him go for it Ami's, Ami's on her like magic moon computer yep. and like meanwhile fucking darian's back at home with his with his fucking Dell laptop, his six-year-old Dell laptop. <laughs> oh, so sad. Oh. So there was an accident four years ago. Professor Tomoe and his daughter survived. It was a huge fire at a genetic engineering laboratory. They were the only survivors. <gasps> oh. There's like creepy pictures of Professor Tomoe and relatively <laughs> normal pictures of Hotaru. Meanwhile, Chibi's having a nightmare. Yeah. So now the girls are sneaking around the college, and the deal is because of the the lecture from this Asimov guy. Uh, and again, the college... like they're all like they're all like a little cartoony, but Usagi's yes. just like very fifteen percent more cartoony than everyone else. Absolutely, <laughs> she has tiny little pupils and big huge eyes. Um, because of the Asimov lecture, the school is open to the public so they can they can go in the school however they're trying to creep around in like places they shouldn't be creeping so they're mm -hmm. like cartoonishly as you said looking around a corner and then a security guard molests them <laughs> he starts poking minako in the in butt the butt like directly in the butt <laughs> minako of course assumes it's makoto <laughs> you know the butt poker of the group the butt poker of the group, obviously. <laughs> Episode title. The butt poker of the group. Why? Dude, uh, can you imagine? This guy works at a school. He should not be working at a school. It's fucking Judge Dredd. <laughs> He's waving his, like, beating stick, you know, and it's, like, seven feet taller than all the girls. Yeah. He's huge, scowling. He's got a truncheon. It's it's it is as though Judge Dredd showed up to guest star in this episode of Sailor Moon and touched a teenager's butt. Well, yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like if he murdered them, he'd be like, "Yeah, that's in keeping with Judge Dredd." He like walks up behind a teenage girl and just touches her butt. I also like how he tells them to go to the uh, uh, auditorium, and they, they leave, and he's like, wait, you forgot something, and he points, <laughs> and it's Usagi. Well, because yes. everyone else flees in terror to the other side of the room, except for Makoto, who's, like, standing up, you know, and he's like, he's, like, on the floor. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. 
Yeah. So as they're leaving, Minette is entering with a very suspicious giant burlap duffel bag. <laughs> Judge Dredd tries to stop her. She literally goes, I'm not suspicious. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no, you're very suspicious. I'm so cute and innocent. And she does it in her cutesy it's voice. It's so great. It's very good. He ends up getting knocked out by something. I think she's got like a homemade taser, right? Um, Let me see. Let's see what happens. Yeah, she shocks him and then she pulls back and she's got like a homemade oh, yeah. like nine volt battery and a couple of like sawed off uh yeah. plugins and a transistor yeah. it's a yeah. homemade taser <laughs> she made her own taser well you all made a taser oh and me and then we see around a corner telu is watching is it telu or telu well she's named for telluride but i don't know oh and with that we get to our act break oh <laughs> Jordan, can I ask you a question? But of course. How is Sailor Business supported? Uh, a series of pulleys. <laughs> oh, no. That it's, is incorrect. It is uh, by uh, the generosity of our patrons on the site, Patreon. That's right. Uh, and if you would like to join them, you can go to patreon.com slash Sailor Business and kick in as little as a dollar a month to help support this show and Xena Business and the Chibi Sodes and Gabby Sodes that we do. Help us reach our goals. Our next one is uh, for Jordan and Allie to do some music. Uh, after that, we've got uh, the long-awaited Motoki's Game Corner streams. And then uh, the RPG that we're going to do for, for the Hercules and Xena RPG. And you can join people like uh, the two folks that I would like to thank since they are our latest uh, patrons. Oh, yes. Let's do it. Uh, we got a pledge from Tuning Japanese. Thank you, Tuning Japanese. And we got uh, one from Brian McIntyre. Thank you so much, Brian. Yeah, those are our new pledges. So uh, thank you to everyone for uh, supporting us and giving us a little bit of money to help keep the show going and make sure that Jake can send out those pins to everybody. Again, if you're in Australia, let us know. <laughs> We, we might need to t we might need to just see how bad you want that pin. If they subscribe, they want it. But if they subscribe, well, they might out. just be very generous. I hear, and Emily, maybe you can bet me up on this. I hear the Australians are a very generous people. <laughs> um, I like to think that we are, but I I can one hundred percent guarantee that any Australian is very used to uh you know paying extra for shipping or waiting to get things a long time for shipping. So I I you know encourage my Australian compatriots to uh just be generous <laughs> it's 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 a usual thing i i feel like having you on the show lets us say all this stuff <laughs> in a way that would be a lot more confrontational if you weren't here so jordan yeah speaking of our listeners and speaking of our fans and speaking of the people who should go to patreon.com slash sailor business uh -huh. it's my birthday i would like to remind you uh do we have any questions from any listeners that we would like to talk about we sure do uh here's one from rebecca uh, she says, did Chibiusa never meet her grandparents? Why does she never recognize them? Her, her grandparents, like, like, uh, Ikuko and, uh, what's his name? Kenji? Yeah. I, and I guess they, she mean, I think what she means is in the, in Crystal Tokyo, doesn't she know them? Like, doesn't she, why doesn't she go back and be like, oh, that's them? 
but I mean, she goes like she she when we first see her um coming back uh to our time or the nineties, you know, she's pretending that she's like you know this cousin. So I think she probably does. She, she might know them, but she's uh you know just pretending. You think she's just she's a good actress in this one well, topic? No, no, like you know she she has that um you know hypnotism uh. Uh, umbrella, you know that Luna P turns into. Sure. I mean, she definitely like she definitely goes home with Usagi like on purpose. Uh, I yeah, I. Th- this raises the question of whether or not uh, Ikuko and Kenji uh, survive for the next thousand years, which I am not prepared at this point in my life to tackle. We do wow. know that Shingo survives because then he becomes uh, no, Prince Rubius. No, so. no, 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 no. Yes. What's our next question? Uh, Tim Spencer wants to know, what is the ship name for Uranus and Neptune? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Wet Wind. I I mean, like, cousins. (laughs) It's cousins. Oh, yeah, it's cousins. I mean... It's just cousins. Any clever thing we can come up with is not going to beat cousins. Yeah. Uh, There's a great shirt. I'll see if I can find it. Or, um, you know, image, which is like, I'm in cousins with you, and I want it. (laughs) (laughs) Delightful. That's very good. So, Chris, a while back when we when we learned about the talismans, uh-huh. you taught me, because I did not know this, about the that they were the Japanese um what were they called? The uh the the uh Imperial Treasures. Imperial Treasures of Japan, correct. Yes. So Axel Steele is asking us, what would the American version of the three talismans be? Uh I mean I guess it would probably be like I mean we don't really have I mean I guess it would be the movie National Treasure starring <laughs> Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Sure. Three DVD copies of National Treasure. <laughs> no, I mean like like all of ours are like documents except yeah, for like the, the Liberty Bell. Like it, it like oh, it's yeah. either it's either documents or stuff that's way too big, like the Statue of Liberty <laughs> or Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yeah, it's like the Liberty Bell, the Statue of Liberty, and the Washington Monument, <laughs> and they yeah. they come out of people's chests. <laughs> it would be pretty amazing if like uh, Sailor Uranus was like swinging the national or like the fucking Washington Monument at somebody <laughs> like a stick. That'd be pretty great. Yeah, I don't we know, f- man. What would be the American version? Jeff Gordon's NASCAR. Oh Jesus! I'm just kidding. No one with that accent would actually like Jeff Gordon. I'm from the South. All right. Let's do one more and then get back to the show. Unless Just one more? Like how many, how many do we have? You got a bunch? I, let's do two more. Let's do two more. Let's do two more. Uh, hey, our amazing uh, guest, uh, Elizabeth Dubois, asks, what would Chibi Yuso want to be when she grows up? Imperial goddess of Earth slash the universe. You think yeah. she wants to? Queen of the universe. <laughs> but don't you think Don't you think she's going to be raised with, with people constantly going, hey, you're going to be queen of the universe someday. You've got to shape up. And she's going to be like, I don't even want to be queen of the universe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, honestly, she probably wants to be Sailor Moon when she grows up. And that's why she's Sailor Chibi Moon right now. But I also feel like uh, if she's like, but I don't want to learn how to be a proper princess. Her mom's probably going to be like, yeah, I don't want to learn how to be a proper princess either. I don't even know how to write a proper letter. Uh, you want to go play video games? Yeah. Well, she's going to live for, you know, thousands of years. She's got time to, like, you know, go through her rebellious princess phase and her, like, you know, so she could probably do everything. She has the silver crystal, which is, like, you know, just like, oh, I really didn't like being a cook. Silver crystal, you know, <laughs> let's try gardener or something. <laughs> You know what I kind of wish now that they had done is I kind of wish they had had it be that 
she really wants to be Sailor V. Oh, that would be perfect. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she was like, no, Sailor Moon is lame. Sailor V is awesome. Sailor lowercase v, um, she would be. Anyway. All right, last question. Uh, this one is asked by uh, Jordan D. White right now. Uh, what house of each, uh, what house from <laughs> Game of Thrones would each of the scouts be? You can't hear it, but I'm just playing the eye catch. <laughs> no, we're See, out. We're out of the we're out of the no. question segment. I'm sorry, <laughs> we, I played the song. No, we that's like, how we works. want to answer it. Nope, I played the song. We are now back to talking about the episode. So S for House Stark is that? What you're <laughs> nope. I nope. <laughs> As we rejoin the show, yeah. Professor Asimov is uh, giving his lecture on alternate dimensions, <laughs> which is very convenient. And has a full crowd, which is very surprising. But, you know, he's very attractive. Oh, yeah. This is not just a full crowd, because this is not... This is like a huge, huge auditorium. Mm. This is not... Like, like this, this has got to be... If it's the students, it's every student at this school... And then some. Like, this is a crazy big crowd for a and it's physicist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's televised. And he has this massive screen behind him, which is, you know, not even like, you know, you know, pop stars have like a huge screen that big. You know what? Actually, now that you say that, I'm not 100% sure it's televised. Do you think the cameras, because we see like TV cameras, do you think those are just there for the the big Screen. screens behind them? I do, n- not because that makes sense, because it doesn't, but because given what's going to happen, I don't think all of the next 20 minutes or 10 minutes, I mean, gets broadcast on television. <laughs> well, it's all they're also being broadcast on TV screens around Mujin Academy. Mm-hmm. Right, I think it's I think it's like a CCTV. So he starts talking about alternate dimensions, uh, basically like DC Universe style alternate dimensions, where they're right next to us but we can't see them. That's like everything alternate dimensions. Nah, that's how okay, the Marvel whatever. ones work. Yeah, that's not how the Marvel ones work. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Okay, how do they work? It's it's beyond the scope of this podcast, Jordan. We'll talk no, later. No, it's not because we're talking about alternate universes. Uh, the Marvel alternate universes are right next to each other. They're in alternate time streams. They're not like vibrational alternate universes, which is what the DC ones are. Uh, I don't know that there's a difference between those two things. Well, there is. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, buddy. Well, okay. take, take it up with Mark Wade. Well, in addition, the DC ones technically are not in the same space because they are like arranged in a in a pattern. Well, they're now within the orrery of worlds. Yes. So, uh, yeah, look. Okay, you got me. (laughs) You got me with that. You got me with multiversity. (laughs) So anyway, uh, Haruka and Mishiru are there, and uh, we see them in the security room, like, watching the TV when Satsuna shows up. So X-Force has assembled. Mm Mm-hmm. They've assembled, you mean. (sighs) (laughs) Sorry. Exactly, Jordan. (laughs) Although we did, we, you did skip past some excellent, you know, um, Usagi creeping. <laughs> yeah, some terrible creeping and some okay creeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. lots of lots of tiptoeing. Mina has to drag the very cartoonist Usagi around. I like that uh, Professor Tomoe is watching the lecture and laughing. <laughs> he thinks it is hilarious, and he says, 
that it is time for his dimension, his universe, to swallow the Milky Way. <gasps> what does he mean? Oh, I wish I could tell you, Jordan. But this this stuff is bananas. <laughs> so, okay, we're going to get a lot of information in this section. Uh, we cut to Hotaru napping in the creepy doll room. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. What, what you didn't mention was, so, so we should refresh everybody's memory to the fact that while he says, I wish, I hope my universe swallows the Milky Way, which is not a universe, but whatever, um, <laughs> he's looking at his... His universe is the universe in a jar he has that we we saw at the end of last episode. His vape jar. <laughs> yes, which that's what I was about to say. It's it's cooking. It's cooking up nicely. It's smoking it's, and steaming in this scene. Yeah, he, he's basically got a universe inside a vape rig. So uh, we cut to Hotaru. She's napping in the creepy doll room on the throne of the Messiah of Silence. And oh, she is this the first time we we like officially have are, are acknowledging that that's her on that throne? I think so, because it's the first time she's lit, right? Yeah. If you know what I mean. <laughs> Sorry. That was terrible. I mean, yeah, like last episode, we saw her, st- uh, like, stoyuette, which is pretty, you know, because the only thing that differentiates them is their hairstyle. But, yeah. <laughs> so, she's dreaming, uh, she's dreaming her origin story, which yes. is that she's in the laboratory with Professor Tomoe back when he's, like, a normal guy like he his glasses are normal yes and the universe the, i don't even i honestly am not 100 percent sure what happens on this he's doing an experiment where he can have a universe in a jar but like it goes wrong but it's genetic modification is what he's doing because he's got a diamond egg in there yeah i i, I don't think he's experimenting with universes i think he's he's trying to like gene splicing and he's invited everyone to watch this gene splicing experiment and it explodes yeah because he's got a diamond egg in there like that's what he's doing and then the thing explodes wait so so hold on so this is just a coincidence that he's doing diamond egg stuff that's genetic and a universe just opens in his the middle of his experiment well, well, no, because then a weird thing comes down from the ceiling. It's a flashing black star mm. that asks him if he wants to save his daughter's life. And we get, and, and I will say, like, the animation in this is, like, super good. Like, this is where they spent the money on yeah. this episode. And he says he'll do whatever he can to save his daughter. And that's when whatever this force is goes into his body and i guess into her body as well because we also um skip past when hatar is there uh, as her dad's you know you know vamping and she's looking at the experiment through the glass and this little thing starts to appear and she's like what's that so i don't know i thought maybe like hatar noticed them starting to appear the explosion happened and then they were like oh do you want to save your daughter kind of thing yeah, I think it is a coincidence that this other universe invades through the experiment because he's a genetic engineer. He's not like dealing hmm. with yeah. alternate universes or anything. It's very weird. Well, I thought the alternative universe caused the explosion and then was like, now that you know your daughter's dead, you kind of like have to work with us, kind of thing. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that's exactly what happened. So, so here's my question. So, is the only thing. <sighs> Is the only thing from the other universe this evil force that's inside him and his daughter? Or are the witches also f- from another universe slash 
powered by another universe. Like the Witches 5? Yeah. No, I think they're just like lab assistants. I legitimately think they're just lab assistants. Well, the only again, the reason I'm asking is because the implication was earlier that the Deathbusters are from outside of our universe. Well, I, I think that I don't think they're from outside of the universe. I think they're like maybe because Tomoe starts them, he kind of like, you know, infects, not infects them like literally, but like, like he kind of like makes them work towards like what he's working on. So because he's like working mm-hmm. for this alternate universe, okay. then everyone like the Deathbusters are like because mm. they're working for Tomoe kind of thing. All right. Well, better this than Dracula, right? Well, I mean, that we also have to contend with the fact that one of them died and came back to life, which is uh, Kaoranite. That's true. <laughs> Wait, she didn't die. We just saw her fall. Well, <laughs> uh, she definitely stopped being the villain of the show, and there's only one way that happens. Well, apparently not, because she didn't die. She's alive. But we never, like, I, I thought... That Kaoranite died and came back as Kaori. What? No. Yeah, I thought she was a different being. No. Like, I thought she was resurrected. Yeah. That is not... That's what I I thought. What? Really? I just assumed that she failed again, (laughs) and he was like, all right, from now on, you're cleaning my house and answering my door. I'm sending... (laughs) I'm sending... uh, What's her name? Whoever was the next one. I forget. I I kind of think that... He kind of, I don't know, maybe had more of a strict hand on Kerry. So it's like, I'm going to build this this oh, thing, oh, this oh, thing that has come oh, back oh, as Kerry. Oh. I'm going to really, really strictly, you know, I want it doing exactly what I want. I don't want anyone, you know, falling to their doom again kind of thing. <laughs> Just as she had them all at her mercy, Sailor Uranus ultimately decided to help them and used world shaking on her, hitting her directly and turning her crystal beam against her, encasing her in crystal. The attack also caused parts of the tower to collapse and sent Kaolinite following falling over the edge to her death. She was later revived by Professor Tomoe, though this is not explained until near the end. Okay, so you were just guessing. I was right, though. <laughs> yeah, but you were guessing. I wasn't guessing. I was... Uh. <laughs> so, anyway... <laughs> Suddenly, Mehmet shows up to... Also, can we... T- t- before we get into that, can we pause for a moment and just appreciate how bizarre this plot is? <laughs> well, oh, she's yeah. so that it's desperate. Like, oh, yeah. We need the Holy Grail. We, we Like, we're going to get talismans to get the Imperial Treasures of Japan to get the Holy Grail because this thing, evil force from another dimension, is possessing a genetic engineer who makes sexy monsters in his basement. No, no, no. The, the, yeah. the alternate universe had nothing to do with the sexy monsters. They just, like, gave him the power. No, no. And he's like, what am I going to no, do no. with this he's power? He's already making the sexy monsters. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they just work now. That's the thing. We see, like, four years ago when that building burns down, he is making a fucking diamond egg. So he's, wait, like, wait, gathered wait, wait, his, wait. his colleagues to be like, hey, um, who wants to see a uh, sexy uh, hammer? It, ju- it just exaggerates. Because, you know, he's all, and even when we see him, he's like, oh, you know, girls with a pure, people with a pure heart must be athletes. So, you know, therefore I'm going to make an athletic, because that's what, he just exaggerates all his worst qualities. Because he's like, oh, I think, like, athleticism so pure and then it makes it just so ridiculously sexy well but but again i i want to see the what if version where the universe doesn't break through this thing and 
uh, he and his daughter are just normal people, except that he's still just going, they're not going to be evil monsters, but they're going to be sexy lady objects. If you watch more, especially in the, f- like, the next season, uh, there, Sailor Moon kind of, like, devolves into just a metaphor and plot kind of, you know, goes out the window. But I definitely think that this season, like the fact that you have this like male scientist like it's supposed to be like a metaphor you know like he's literally creating what he thinks as like pure and good and it's so ridiculously sexy and just stupid it's so bananas so Mehmet shows up uh she does charm buster her attack uh and sends everyone running out of the arena uh no i don't believe so I guess they don't. I, I, I thought they did, because that's usually what happens. But no, they just kind of stand there. I think they just get, like, knocked or, like, dazed or something. Yeah, they're unconscious, because later you're going to see a room full of sleeping people in chairs. Well, no, yeah, because she has to, like, make her, you know, perform. So she doesn't want them to do anything, but also she wants to perform, you know, because she, she makes this grand entrance, I think. Yeah. she Like, it's beautifully animated. Mm. She, like, rises up from under the stage. But then she unleashes <laughs> Sexy the Internet. Oh, it's so good. Well, Sexy Computer. This is Upasakon. And Upasakon is if the internet, like if a computer was also like Susanna Hoff from the Bengals. <laughs> it's very good. She has, it's hard to say my favorite thing about her. Um, like her torso is a, is a, like an old CRT computer monitor, but she has these giant shoulder pads that are mice. It's great. And she's also like a, I don't know. She's got like a, like a pilot, you know, she's got like, you know, the, uh, earpiece and, um, like goggles. Yeah. She's got like a headset mic. (laughs) She, she's also a pink elf. Uh, yes. With green hair. So she kind of looks like Alan and Anne. Yeah. Like, very much it's so. their go to design on this show. The scouts hear this happening, and then a very unusual thing happens. Apparently, there was so much uh, story to put in this episode. Too much show. Not enough time for transformations. They completely skip all the transformations. They do have time for uh, a speech, though, that includes. Makoto saying, heaven, earth, and humanity know of your evil, which is pretty great. They won't allow it. Well, everyone but Usagi, who, again, <laughs> is kind of stuck and, like, pokes her in the shoulder and is like, what? Yeah, they just they decide that they want to overshadow her. It's pretty <laughs> funny. And I think even for the fight, too, right? They mm. start fighting, Oh, yeah, too, and Usagi right? holds back. I mean, obviously, you know, she clearly only has one move that she can only do for, like, two minutes at a time. But still, (laughs) I want to talk about this fight scene, because first of all, we we talked about how they don't have time for the transformation sequences. They also don't have time for the attack animations Mm. because we get those in a really interesting way. Uh, First, Upasakon drops a bunch of computer mice and the buttons pop up to make them look like actual mice. And then she throws them at the scouts and they turn into actual mice. Those are taken care of with Burning Mandala. Then... Maybe the best thing that's ever happened happens. <laughs> Let's hear it. Jupiter jumps 20 feet in the air, does sparkling wide pressure, but instead of throwing it, she just punches the monster in the stomach with lightning. It's fucking awesome. It's pretty great. 
Although the one thing about that that doesn't make sense to me, well, and it's fine. It's fine. It's it's worth it. It's cool. But do you remember the episode where <laughs> the episode I mercilessly, mercilessly made fun of because Sailor Mercury was putting her arms up to her chest in a very particular way? Uh-huh. And everyone was like, "No, that's she's about to do her move," <laughs> um, which strongly yes, implied, good. yeah, which strongly implied to me that the the exact motions that they do were essential to doing the move. And this goes, no, it's not. Well, it could just be that uh, Makoto's better than everyone else at doing her move. <laughs> okay, maybe. Yeah, she's so. she's still doing the motion. She's just not. Like after you've done the motion, then then she's punching. Like it's not. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, she's still doing. She she's still like bringing it across her chest and like uh, like get, generating the electricity to like punch at them. I to me it okay. looked like the or similar enough. So then uh, Mercury is using her computer to be like I'm tracking them, and the the mice jump out. Sailor Venus uses uh, her love me chain to to zap the mice. Uh, Upasukan also throws uh, five-inch floppy disks at them like shuriken. Yes, yes, which is great. And then because so so far, let you know if you, for those keeping track, the four inner senshi who are not Sailor Moon have done something useful. Um, <laughs> and then the monster, or no, not the monster, even uh, Mimet shoots uh, her charm buster again at Sailor Moon. And who is it? Venus and Mercury push her out of the way and sacrifice themselves to save Sailor Moon. And they get walloped by uh, the stars. Yes. And Rin and Makoto are losing. They get taken out with more discounts. <laughs> That's when Mimet unveils her new device. Mm-hmm. Which... <laughs> it's... Well, I guess I, she tells Upasakan to uh, take out Sailor Moon, and instead in comes Tuxedo Mask, not throwing a rose, but carrying a child who is doing <laughs> yep. a pink sugar heart attack. <laughs> uh-huh. is, is this the first time it's worked, like, you know, only for two seconds, but as intended? Yes, I don't think it it's is... the first time it worked. No, I think it, it's done. it's been successful before. No, 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 before, it, it but... worked just like, you know, it took a bit or, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah, the beam doesn't, like, flop over <laughs> this time. It just goes straight. <laughs> so we get Crisis Makeup, Super Sailor Moon appears, uh, smacks Upasakan with Rainbow Moon Heartache. Kills her. Love, lovely. Dusted. No, not not dusted anymore. Hearted. You're dusted, trash. <laughs> so that's it. The end of the episode. Mimet runs away, as always, right? Oh, no. Because what? Mimet has her final weapon, which is the most bootlegged, like, incomplete, literally duct-taped-together yep. nonsense. It's the witch's electric warp, and what it does, it's a Phantom Zone projector, basically. No, no. Well, it absorbs her, and then broadcasts her into the televisions? Yeah, it, no, it digitizes her. Yeah, it makes her... A computer person. A program. Yeah. Digimimet. Yes, this is Digimimet, exactly. So she's been digitized. She's now living inside of this device, but she's projecting her face and consciousness onto the giant screens to be scary and threatening. There's only one problem. Yes, uh, Telu shows up and says it's not right to steal someone else's work and points out the flaw in the, the digitizer, which is that she can 
unplug the t like un she unplugs the TV. Is no, no, that no, no, it? no. She's unplugging the digitizer. Yeah, she's sealing her inside a bunch of TVs forever. No, I think she's sealing her inside the device. Well, that's what I got. I mean, the digitizer doesn't have a plug, but that we see. But they could have just like not drawn that in. If yeah. the power is cut off while you're inside the monitor, oh. you'll be sealed inside forever. So I think she's trapping her in the TV. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you're right. Or the maybe computer. Right. That's like. Does this happen in the manga? This no. is nuts. No, of course no. not. Yeah, the manga. They're very villain of the week kind of thing, and it's different. In the manga, they probably burn her alive, like they tend to do. To <laughs> no, well, they all die, then they all come back, um, because, oh. and then they all die again. So, <laughs> so everybody's freaked out because the witches five are fighting each other. Sailor Moon collapses because she can't keep Super Sailor Moon going for very long. Mimet drops into the fucking Matrix hell, I guess, and is dead now, and Tilly leaves. <laughs> And that's the end of the episode. Well, no, but we do get a nice shot of X-Force where you can see that the entire audience is still there, just unconscious in their seats. Yep. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Again, you know, she's, she wants to perform. She, she, she needs those, um, <laughs> you know, people to clap her past 80% or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, that's the end of a very weird episode, uh, sure. but one that I, I like a lot. Which means that it's time for Sailor Business Says. It's time for us to talk about what we learned in this episode. And Emily, we will start with you. What did you learn from this episode of Sailor Moon? I think I learned that if I'm going to steal someone else's work, don't pick something that's duct taped together. Jordan, what did you learn? I learned that it doesn't matter who tries to kill who, who doesn't respect who, who doesn't like to hang out with who. If someone comes to your house, you offer them a Coke. <laughs> How about you, Chris? I learned that a lot of people have different kinds of skills. Some people can fight monsters. Some people can be really smart. Some people can cook. Some people can sit on their asses uh, doing some <laughs> shitty computer hacking and learning shit we already know uh, while everyone else is doing the hard work of investigating and dealing with Judge Dredd. You already knew that that him and his daughter survived a, a lab accident? That's not a moral lesson, Jordan. No, no, you were saying he was learning shit that people already know. He also, like, flew Chibi in. Yeah. And he told Sailor Moon when to do her power. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. She, listen, she hadn't thought of it yet, so it was actually quite useful. No, Sailor Moon. Uh, so that's <laughs> it for uh, episode 120. Uh, again, I really like this episode. It has legitimately some beautiful animation, like both in yeah. like the goofiness of Usagi being contrasted, but also like the flashbacks to the origin story are really beautifully animated. Mimet's like arrival and attack is really good. The the way that Jupiter is like a physical force in this episode instead of just kind of shooting you know, lightning using stock footage. It's really, really solid, I think, even though it's complete nonsense. Yeah, like it's one of the best fight scenes for a long time. It's it's very good stuff. It's a pretty Usagi light episode, uh, but it's still it's still really pretty good. For a very exposition heavy episode, it's pretty well done because, you know, it's it would be so easy to just, you know, be boring and just be like, oh, what's and I don't know. It manages to give you that exposition and in like, you know, break it up with like some, you know, some more interesting bits and like have the really great, uh, like Mehmet 
devolution into this crazy person who's going to project herself onto the screen. I'll miss her. She was pretty awesome. Oh, I'll miss Mehmet too. But yeah, like, you know, Emily, this is an exposition heavy episode, but it doesn't feel like it Mm. at all. And I think part of that is because so much of the exposition is weird. (laughs) True. You reach a point and you're just like, okay, whatever, you know, (laughs) alternate universe invading coolies. They're bad. (laughs) Now, this was the episode you wanted to be on, right? I think Emily got assigned these. Oh, you got assigned these. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, I did not want to be on these. So do we have any any last words for Mehmet? Do we have any favorite Mehmet moments that we want to share since we're seeing her at the crossroads? I, st- I love that episode with her and Venus. And it's kind of like you could totally see that in another life, she and Venus would be best friends. Um, so I'm going to just like sad for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, she's terrific. I'll, I'll miss her a lot. I... I liked Udeal, and I was like, oh, I'll miss her, but Mehmet made me not miss Udeal at all. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I love the villains this season. They're so, I mean, Karen, I was, eh, but besides her. Well, I think if there's one thing that's clear on Sailor Business is that we like villains with personalities. <laughs> uh, like, the, the most we liked Alan and Anne was when they were, like, being fucking goofball shitty teenagers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the reason that we liked the uh, Spectre Sisters so much, was because mm-hmm. they're they're all personality. So. Hell yeah. And so were the Kings of Heaven had a lot of personality, too. Oh, yeah. Too, a little too much, I think. <laughs> Fun stuff. Fun stuff here. Uh, Emily, uh, before we let you go, is there anywhere that you would like to tell people to find you online? Not for today, thanks. <laughs> okay. Then in that case, uh, it's time to wrap up. Jordan, where can everybody find us? They can find our, our our Twitter at Sailor Business. They can find me on Twitter at Crackshot with a zero instead of an O. They can find our producer, Jake Mason, at JJ underscore Mason. He's got a bunch of other podcasts he produced in addition to this one, like The Morphin Grid about Power Rangers and Pokemon World Tour and Pokemon World Tour United, which are about Pokemon and Cool Kids Table, which is about what, Chris? Uh, that is their actual play role-playing game podcast. Oh, that's the role-playing game one. Right, 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 right. And you can find Chris on Twitter as well, right, Chris? That's right. You can find me at the ISB. That's T-H-E-I-S-B. And you can find my website at the-isb.com, uh, where you can find links to the podcast that I do, the columns that I write, and comics that you can buy online or at your local comic book store, like Sword Quest, Ash vs. Army of Darkness, or Deadpool Bad Blood. Or some other stuff that's going to be coming up soon, so keep an eye out. Uh, you can also find the show on Twitter at Sailor Business, and email the show at SailorBusinessPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from people. And I am, it is August, we're coming up on the end of S, uh, I am going to officially start booking episodes for Sailor Moon S. I've got a couple of people penciled in already, so the schedule is not finalized. Super but- S. For Super S, sorry, for Super S. Uh, I'm using a spreadsheet this time, so I'll try not to double book anybody like I did before. But uh, it should be a pretty good time. Uh, So if you are interested in being a guest and you are uh, not a dude, then uh, get in touch. And maybe we can have you on the show along with uh, some past guests and returning all-stars. But that is going to be it. Uh, We will be back next week with episode 121 of Sailor Moon S, which is called A Bewitching Flower That Steals Hearts, Telu the Third Witch. (laughs) And until then, 
keep your mind on sailor business. Sailor.